Good morning, Rock Bible Church. It is great to see you this morning. So, hey, uh, let's get started. We are uh, finishing chapter three of our, our series in the book of Colossians, uh, verses 15 through 25 today. So a little, little 11 verse um, uh, jaunt for us, uh, but a little bit of controversy. You'll see when we get there, we're going to jump in and um, we're going to, we're going to cover some stuff that could step on toes. I think if you look at it the wrong way, but if you look at it properly, um, it's a great reminder and a lesson of some of the direction that God gives us in our relationship. So um, we're going to get started here in a minute. Let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in Colossians 3, verse 15. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for our ability to come and sing, to be together, to worship online. I pray and remember this morning, just as I'm hearing the singing, um, that's why we're here. We're here to put you first. We're here to put your, your word first. And Lord, we need help. We need direction. We need guidance. We need forgiveness in our pursuit of that. And I pray you'd help all of us come to a place where we feel comfortable calling you Lord. And then do it to the best of our ability. I think that we all get the opportunity to make that decision. Thank you for Tony's decision today and what we get to do after service and baptizing him. I pray that more people would come to that decision. Help us to see, Lord, it's not about membership in a church or how often you attend, what you do, how you serve. It's about being in an authentic relationship with you. So I, I pray that uh, what we do this morning, what we read, what we talk about, would draw us closer to that. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, Paul is, is continuing uh, in his letter to the church at Colossae. Um, and uh, he's going to make some arguments here in a second that you can't make unless you get the first few verses. Okay, so these next three view verses are going to provide what we call context or foundation or setup. Um, and they're going to protect us from what a lot of people like to do. They like to grab a, a verse out of the Bible, yank it out of there by itself, quote it, and say, I'm not sure I like that, or this is offensive, or this is degrading in this way or that way, or, or this can't be true. Um, yeah, but that's true about any instruction manual that you pull one sentence out of, right? Insert batteries here. Insert batteries where? Like that sentence by itself, like which kind of batteries? It just says battery, right? Unless you get the, it requires AA batteries. Okay, now I know what I need, right? Insert batteries here. And then you got to look at the picture, right? It has a little diagram with the thing and you pull the little plate off and that, that's, oh, and by the way, once you get the batteries in, then you got to turn on the on switch, Right? Because nothing works in the off switch, right? Scripture works that way. And that's what we're going to get into in, in the first few things. And so um, before we get into that piece, I have to have you hear the first sentence. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What's the main point of everything that's coming in the next 10 verses? Who's supposed to be in charge? Christ, okay? Robin gets an A. 
the rest of you, I don't know, we'll, we'll put some uh, extra credit questions on the board for you. Okay? Who's in charge? Christ. Who do we usually put in charge? Self, right? I need you to start figuring out that self is a dirty four-letter word. Self gets you in trouble. Uh, self makes you think something's right and it's actually wrong. Self puts you on a path to hurt others. Uh, self can get you to another horrible four-letter word, lost. You can actually be in decent shape, pursue self, and end up in worse shape. That's the, that's the loss process. And Paul says this, why? Because we have to be reminded. We have to be reminded regularly. In fact, he's over halfway through the letter. Newsflash, one more chapter. He's almost done with his letter to this church. And what's he reminding him again? Yeah, I know you have an inheritance and I know you've been cleaned and I know that you, you recognize what Christ did for you on the cross, but you have to live like it. In fact, he's going to use a phrase twice coming up here. I, don't quote me on this. I think it's verses 18 and verses 23. Okay, you can tell I got a little geek this week as I was studying. I'm going to prove it to you that I was way too excited this week. When we get to the fill-ins, you'll see. and You can laugh at me with me, but at me, I'm okay with that, okay? Because <clears throat> my identity's in Christ, amen? Yeah, not whether you laugh at me or not, all right? Adopt that because uh, I want the peace of Christ to rule in my heart. Rule in my heart. Why not head? Why not let the peace of Christ rule in my head? Well, you know, it's good my facts right, then I'm okay. Guess what sometimes doesn't follow? Well, I can get the facts away, but I'm not feeling it. In fact, every one of you that I ever meet with is usually not a head problem. Well, you know, because you'll sit down and you'll say, Scott, thanks for the coffee, but I'm really having a problem with such and such. Oh, really? Well, do you know that Christ loves you? Yes. Do you know that he created you? Yes. Do you know that he has a plan for your life? And you got down on all the facts? Yeah. Well, what's the problem? I don't feel it. I can't see what I'm supposed to do next. Or I'm in a, right? Sometimes it doesn't translate from here down to here. A lot of times it gets stuck right here. We start babbling and stuff starts coming out and this becomes a filter or a block and it doesn't get down to our heart where we're transformed. In fact, in their culture, they wouldn't do this and this and then this. That's like three different things. They just say, who are you? And your heart was a representation of the whole of who you are. They don't distinguish between head and heart, not in Jewish culture, right? Then uh, the Greek and Roman culture came around and they got into logic and intellect. Let's separate them. And that's gone really well for us as humans. That was sarcasm, folks. We're never meant to separate thinking with feeling and with action. Are you going to see that uh, triad come out in this passage? It's one whole package. It's like a combo meal. You get your burger, your fries, and your drink. Why would you order one by yourself? By itself, you're losing money. If you buy them separately, you're paying more, right? Unless you figured out that the fries and the soda are really, really bad for you because you've watched some movies or some YouTube things and things like that. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about God. How about that? Um, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And what's ruling? Christ is, right? But not just Christ, the... Peace of Christ. You're, you're commanded, right? Let the is a command. 
you are commanded for Christ's peace to control you. That's kind of interesting. We like to say, well, you know, Christ is in control. Yeah. Here, Paul says, yeah, Christ is in control, but specifically, I want you to be at peace, his peace. Now, what's that tell us about anxiety, frustration, anger, sadness, any of the emotions? How do we combat those? How do we deal with those? What medicine do we feed those difficult feelings? Feed at peace. Calm, patience, kindness, gentleness. Any more? Faith, self-control, right? All these things. Um, because we're trying to transform heart, and for them, not just heart, but whole being. Whole being. Um, I, am, I am being more and more amazed at how many things we're all twisted up about. I'm trying to figure out how many things can I stop bothering me? Did you hear what so-and-so said? Yeah. You see what so-and-so posted? Eh. Hey, have you looked at the budget? Eh. Hey, do you see attendance? Eh. Hey, Johnny called from school. Eh. I mean, how many things can I react calmly to? You see, when I get excited, who do I think is in control? I get excited because I think I have to do something. Now who's ruler? Who's ruler? I'm trying to be. Uh, never works, right? It has the appearance of working for a second. When you start trying to rule something, manipulate something, change something, influence something, pull someone, push someone, uh, you're doing damage. And by the way, how does that fit in with God's plan? What's he doing in that moment? That's what we should be looking at, and that's what he's getting at, and here we go. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now we got our foundation. To which indeed you were what? Called in one body. Ooh. You were called to this. Look your uh, outline. Look at the top. It says uh, Corinthians, uh, or not Corinthians. I'm telling you, man, it was an exciting week. <laughs> Colossians 3, 15 through 25, and then what's it say? Called to service? Oh, no, it doesn't say that. We couldn't fit it in there. You got to look at the front of your outline. The front of your outline in the program order, it says called to service, right? For service. I didn't make up the called thing. Paul says this is what we're called to, right? Now we've given it away. What's he calling us to, right? We're going to know that service in a second. Let's figure out how we get there. Uh, we get there thankful. You've been called in one body and be thankful. Got two commands now. Let peace rule and be thankful. All right? These are calm things. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Wow, now we got the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and we got thankfulness. And how do you do that? How do you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Because I'm all about how to. If, don't tell me what to do, right? I will be defiant with you. That's just the way I am. You can't sit there. Where am I sitting? I was somewhere last night, and the security guards came by. And like, uh, you can't sit there. Group of six of us. Who spoke up? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? 
And then we started talking and I got into the CDC and a little discussion points and I eventually moved. Why? I was trying to let the peace of Christ dwell in my heart and <laughs> richly, right? I was trying to do this word of Christ thing. Um, but how do you do it? I need a how-to rather than just tell me what to do. It says, here's how you do it. You teach it, you admonish it in one another in all wisdom. So use your brain for sure. How are we transforming your heart? Use your brain. Why? Because wisdom is how you admonish others and teach others, right? What's the best way for you to learn? Have to teach someone else. One of the greatest ways to learn is, oh, hey, by the way, you're leading the seminar. I, I am? <laughs> okay. You got to get it down if you're going to teach it to other people. It says, be careful, do it with wisdom. And then it says, singing psalms. What is, what is singing psalms going to do for you? If you got to teach. Teach? I, I got to teach. I need an outline. I need to study. I need to think logically. What's the progression? Are there any themes? Is anything repeated, right? I'm letting you see behind the curtain a little. Why would I stop and do singing psalms? Why would we sing three songs at the beginning and one closing song at the end almost every... Why, why would we do that? Keep centered on Christ, logically, and what does it do to your heart? There's a calming effect, right? I should try that with my dog when he's a de acting like a demon. I should try singing to him, probably. Then he'll turn into the devil, probably. You're singing, it did it to me. Uh, hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. There's that thankfulness again. Now he said it to us twice. Ungrateful, maybe it might, be, it might be an implication there. In your what? In your hearts. We're going to use our mind with teaching and, and admonishing. We're going to do it with wisdom, but we're going to do it in such a way where we're seasoning it with singing and the things that transform our hearts. That's how we let God be in control. Um, hey, this is needed. How many times do we get all fired up, all worked up? How many times do you think you're too late or too early or you showed up in the wrong condition? How are you going to deal with that? How about you showed up exactly when you intended? I love that line from Lord of the Rings. The wizard shows up and, and one of the hobbits is, I know it's hobbits. Don't try to correct me. Don't send me an email. I just like to say it that way. Uh, it says, hey, Gandalf, you're late. He says, oh, no, no, no. Wizards are never late. Neither are they early. But they arrive exactly when they intended. There's a, some great theology in that. If God is sovereign and in control of all things, it's actually true of all people. God made you show up at the time you showed up at. Now, someone else can call it late. Guess whose issue that is? That's theirs. They're the one that labeled it late. Or you're too early. That's their label that they put on it. How about you start taking the labels that God's put on you? That's a fun game to play, right? That's a fun game to play. Uh, in your hearts to God, verse 17, and whatever you do, what's it assuming that is going to happen? And whatever you, what's it assuming you're going to do something, right? So my dad used to say to me all the time, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Whatever you do in word or deed, does that cover everything? Okay. Do how many things? Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay. 
We feeling good? Happy Sunday? We, we kind of got the ground rules? All right. Now we're going to step into why I'm happy if anybody else wants to preach from this moment on. Ready? Verse 18. Give it to us. Oh, I'm sorry. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Right? Reminder, there's our thankfulness for the third time. They'll often come in threes. Thankfulness. Uh, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands. Oh, man. Now we're uncomfortable. Yeah, let me just go off screen a little bit here. All right, there you go. Wives, submit to your husbands. Now, doesn't culture just love to grab that one phrase and beat us over the head with it? Let me ask you this. Oh, they moved the camera, so I'm not off screen anymore. Okay, I'm coming back. Those tech people never cross the tech people. Just, just whoever controls the mic. It's kind of like whoever writes the checks. They're the same. They're from the same family. Um, if Christ is ruling in your hearts, if peace of Christ, if the word of Christ is ruling your relationship, uh, does that give a little bit of different flavor to that phrase? Wives, submit to your husbands. I want, why submit bad? I've been submitting my whole life. I submit to my parents, I submit to my boss, I submit to the pastors ahead of me. Now, now I'm lead pastor at the church. I got to submit to elders, I got to submit to uh, staff sometimes, I got to submit to you people, right? What's wrong with all of those phrases? Every single phrase I just made with you, what's wrong with them? I gotta. I gotta. No, you gotta, I got, you gotta change the O in there to an E. I get. I get to submit to my wife. What? No, this says wife submit to husband. Why would you submit to your wife? It's coming. Watch. This was never meant to be read alone. All right? Watch this. Here's the qualifier. As is fitting in the Lord. It's the same sentence and they always cut it off. Are there ways that are inappropriate for you to submit to your husband? Say yes. Why? If it's not fitting in the Lord, right? All of the things that this passage is going to talk about, talk about the idea of what fits, what is fitting for you. In fact, I almost titled it the first draft that I sent in. I had to correct it before Brent went to print. The first one said, fitted for service. Because watch this. Husbands. Oh, you mean it talks about husbands too? Not just wives? Yeah, we're equal opportunity um, abusers. Okay? Uh, husbands, love your wives. Ooh. Now we got two different statements. One for wives, one for husbands. Let's do compare contrast, right? Because we're humans and we're competitive and we like to do black and white and we're really good at it, right? I mean, let's mess this up as much as we can. Which one's more important? Both. Who said it? Was that you? I love this kid. Your marriage, your marriage is going to go well. It doesn't have to start for a long time. Okay, but um, which one's harder? Well, it depends, Scott. If I'm a woman, it's really hard for me to do the husbands love your wives because I'm not a husband, right? No, uh, both of these are difficult, Right? No, I've never done the first one. I've never done the wives submit to your husbands. I'm only responsible for the second one. 
which of those two was meant for me? The second one, right? We take the first one and men try to use it for men. This is the place we're going to put women in. 100 people surveys, top five answers on the board. Survey says, "Eh." that's not what that's for. It's not to put women in place. What's this for? This is to help women understand there might be a way to have Christ rule in your heart with how you approach your husband. There might be a way for you to have peace within you as to how you approach your husband. Is this about submission? No. Maybe partially, maybe secondary way. But I would say I like submit much better than I like love here. What? Scott, you better clarify that really fast because you're about to get in trouble with your wife. Right? Uh, Love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Submit is once in a while. Or is it always? It's not always. Because it says, as is fitting in the Lord. I asked you, is there times where it's not fitting to submit? You said yes, because you read the next phrase. Uh, How many times does it say the husband's got to love? Always. I love one of the other passages that says it this way. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Not implying, but outright saying sacrifice is part of love. I have enough work cut out for me in doing 19 that I'll never figure it out and be able to move back to 18 and worry about 18. 18, not my job. 19, my job. Why? Because it's fitting in the Lord. For me to love my wife and do not be harsh with her. You see what I just did there? I changed the pronoun. Why? I personalize it for me. Why? It's not my job to do any of your jobs. It's not my job to tell you your job. My job is to do my job and only my job. And that's all I got to worry about. And the way I approach my wife, can it be harsh sometimes? Say yes. And do I think it was harsh sometimes? No. And guess who's wrong? Me. I have to be corrected at times. Why? Because my approach is taken one way. I, I present it one way, but it might be taken another way. And who's it say is responsible for how that exchange goes? Me. In that, if we take the other passage I referenced about and gave himself for the church, right? Who's supposed to make the sacrifice? Me. This verse 19, heavy. Now, let's go back and compare with 18. Is that heavy? Well, it could be. Is it heavier? Does it put women in a worse place than men? Not at all. When we ask the question, what pleases the Lord? What's fitting in the Lord? What is the peace of Christ in that? How are we honoring God as we approach our spouses? In, by the way, the covenant that you signed up for and stood there and said, I do and I will and here's your ring and oh, the heavily ever after and what God has brought together and let no man separate. Believe me, I know all the phrases. How do you do that well? Well, 
Say it another way from another pastor. How about wives? How about you be respectful of your husband? Husbands, how about you be loving towards your wife? How about we recognize that those are two different words that mean two different things? I like what Dr. Egerick says in his book, Love and Respect. Man's greatest need is to be respected. A woman's greatest need is to be loved. Have we figured that out? Have you gotten any help with it? Because until you do start figuring out and pursuing these things, you're going to get stuck on little phrases. Submit to what? Submit to who? Right? Husbands, love your wives. You know what that really says? Submit to your wives in some things. Now, some of you guys wonder what we do at men's fraternity. We practice that. How do you do that, guys? Because they say things that rub you the wrong way and the whole thing. And we, we're going through that. Why? Because guys need... 60, 60 lessons on how to do it over the course of three years, right? And sometimes we split those lessons up into two. Why? Because we need the extra time. This is not easy, nor is it easy, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in... Could, could you guys just do me a favor and quote this to my kids every time you see them? Just, and don't even quote it. Just say Colossians 3.20, Colossians 3.20, just all the time. Children, obey your parents in everything. When do you stop being their kid? I got calls this week from my mom and my dad separately, right? They split when I was young. They're both remarried, the whole thing. And are they still my parents? Do I have to obey them in everything still? Are you sure? I just told you, remember, I don't tell me what to do. I'm going to say no. You can't sit here. I'm going to sit here, right? As long as they're my parents, there's something about that, according to God, that I need to pay attention to. Now, are they wrong at times? Say yes. Does God care? Say no. Well, he cares that they're wrong sometimes. But he doesn't care when it comes to me obeying my parents. Right? Probably I need to put as a fitting in the Lord over all these things. Right? If my parents say, hey, you need to go out and kill somebody. Okay, we're disobeying that, right? Go eat donuts for every meal from now on. No, we're not doing that, okay? Go eat sushi from every, for every meal from now on. Now, we might do that, okay? I might be able to do that one. Um, and why? Why do we do this? For this pleases the Lord. Is how you approach your parents, please God. Is how you approach your wife, please God. Is how you approach your husband, please God. Ooh, those are great questions, Scott. And watch this, because now we're going to drop into some other things. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Dang it. I just got two verses. Wait, no, three verses. Because I'm a husband, I'm a child, and I'm a father. Okay, you ladies, so far, you only got two verses. Just if we're keeping score, let's keep. I'm a professional scorekeeper, right? Competitive male sports. I'm still bugged at Friday night. I lost the game two to one to the crosstown rival. It's it's like I'm losing sleep over it. Lest they become discouraged. Why do we monitor our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our parents, our relationship with our kids? Because it can be discouraging. 
What are they discouraged about? You know, he doesn't say what they're discouraged about. What do you think they're discouraged about? Who they are. Where are they getting their identity? They're trying to figure out all this stuff. Here, let's go into slavery, right? Verse 22. It says bond servants. Why? Oh, because we like clean and easy phrases, right? Word here is doulos. It means slave. Uh, we've translated it into servant or bond servant, and then we come up with all these cultural reasons why we want to soften the term. No, it meant slaves. Like they did slavery back there. All kinds of cultures in every continent, they all did slavery, right? Is this about whether slavery is good or bad? No. This is a message to the slave who says, obey in what? Everything? Those who are your earthly masters? Does it say that it's right for them to have earthly masters? No, it does not say that. It says if you find yourself in this situation, here's how you survive. If you find yourself in a situation where you've got an earthly master, here's how you can help that go well for you, have a better experience. Now, obviously... Get out of slavery. That'd be the best way. Or for the culture to figure out that slavery was bad and we stop it, which, by the way, our country did. But this is not about that. This is about, hey, how do you manage that relationship when someone's in charge of you? Which, by the way, all of us pretty much at this point have that kind of relationship. We call it work. We call it optional. You picked to work but you made a bond to serve with someone else in a work environment for pay. It's almost the same thing. So I would ask you, because we don't really have slavery anymore, is this for us about dealing with your boss? I say yes, right? Not by way of eye service, as people please. Don't just do it to look good or look right or just to fulfill your part of the contract. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Ooh. No matter what situation you're in, you are responsible for you, and God is watching. I love that phrase from a few good men. They're arguing about what was supposed to happen for Private Santiago. And at one point, one of the people in there says, and God was watching. We were responsible for us and only us. We're not responsible for something that happened generations ago. You're not responsible for what your kids do. You're responsible for you and how you approach your kids. You're not responsible for your spouse. You're responsible for how you approach your spouse. And at some point, we're going to stand before God, and he's going to say, hey, hey, McFly, what? What were you doing? I told you, in whatever you do, word or deed, please the Lord. Do what's fitting. Do stuff that's peaceful, all right? Because you're serving the Lord. That's coming up here in just a second. Fearing the Lord. Why? Because God cares about how you carry yourself. I've, I've, I've started to figure this out. I can't even control the staff at the church. I can't control the staff at home. I call them children. I can't control the dog. I have influence in one place, in one place only. And I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more and more excited about standing before God to talk about that rather than be responsible for all of you. 
right? Whatever you do, wait. Did you just say that twice? Right? Back in verse 8, whatever you do here, verse 23, hey, whatever you do, work heartily. Oh, dwell in your hearts. And then he says, now work heartily. We're talking about whole being. How do you work? One, you work. And then you don't do it as eye service or people pleasing. You work and you work hard. We don't collect checks and then not return to work because we're making more money sitting at home than if we were working. No, God says six days you shall work and on the seventh you shall rest. You get one day, folks. Make the most of it. Okay? Yesterday was good. Our job is to work. And we work in such a way that we accomplish things. Are they for us? No. Watch this. He just talked about four different relationships, right? Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, uh, fathers to sons, or children to parents, five, and then bond servants, right? We call them slaves. I call them employees, right? Then he says, work heartily. What were we supposed to work hard at? Those five relationships. Ooh. When I work to make widgets to collect a paycheck, I'm actually working for somebody or with somebody. View it that way. Who are you working for and with? What's his name? Fred Smith? John Baxter? No. Paul says his name is Jesus. That's who you're working for and you're working with. Now, you might have an earthly boss, but don't look at it that way. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Amen? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. He's going back to a phrase that he, that he started back in, in chapter 1, very beginning of the letter. This idea that we got um, an inheritance coming. It, it begs this question. I want you to go to your fill-ins right now, and I want you to oh, let's do the first set, right? Because Paul keeps asking this question, you know, hey, how are you treating your husband? How are you treating your wife? How are you treating your kids? How are you treating your parents? How are you treating your bosses? And he's, he's really asking the question, who rules? Who rules for you? Who's ruling? You? Or could you let them rule a little bit? But ultimately, who's he saying who rules? He says, Jesus rules. Christ rules. God rules. How are you letting God rule in your relationships? That's what this passage is really about, because we measure relationships well when Jesus is ruler. Does anybody see it? Who's ruler, right? But what's the first um, blank there? We measure Measure, ruler. I told you I was having too much fun this week. Double meaning. <laughs> we have a way of figuring out relationships when Christ rules. Right? Both double meanings uh, fit there. Let's go back to our passage. If we look at this as a relationship, then it starts to make sense. Because we know that from the Lord you receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. We look at that, that that way, 
all the relationships start to make sense. We start to measure them correctly. Because, you know, there's, there's people you shouldn't be spending no time with. What? Just to love everybody. Yes. For some people, you should love them by just let them go do their thing and you go do your thing. You can only have influence on so many people, right? How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve? And somebody, some would argue, well, maybe eleven. You know, the twelfth one didn't work out so well. I'm not sure he was really following. Eleven or twelve. Is that good? Now, they say that there were like 80 to 100, maybe even 200 more following, maybe 500 in the distance. They're in the periphery. How many, how many did Jesus spend his time with? Twelve. Is he limited? Great question. If he was, he limited himself because only 12 people were going to be able to take in enough information from him. We can limit who we do spend time with, who we don't spend time with, right? But whatever we do, we do it heartily. Why? Because we're serving Christ. And then watch this little warning. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Ouch. Paul is acknowledging there's a way for you to get it wrong with your husband. There's a way for you to get it wrong with your wife, with your parents, with your kids, with your boss. And he's not saying, hey, they'll get paid back. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you wherever you fit in to these categories. But I love this. Payback. Earlier he said inheritance. Payback or inheritance. There is a payoff. The question is, will it be good or bad? Let's look at the second set of fill-ins. Because um, how do we do this? How do we get to good payoff or inheritance, right? Um, we asked the question, what dwells? Do you remember what it said earlier? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And then let the word of Christ dwell in you. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see, we get his perspective and direction when he dwells, comma, over time. Where's the fill-in in that sentence? I told you I cited it this week. I was so excited with that phrase, and I, I forgot to put fill-ins there. Just gave the whole sentence to you, right? That's like cheating, I think you guys but when he dwells when we are saturated when we're taking in his word his perspectives and direction we start being efficient how quickly does that happen we accept christ jesus will you be my lord and savior up to heaven is that how it works no i'll still here there is something about time that god honors in the process if you're working with someone or on someone or for someone, hopefully it's yourself. But if you're doing that with somebody else, how long will it take? I'm telling you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen over time, so you need to put in overtime to get there. You mean like time and a half? Yes. Right? And you won't get paid. This is, this is how it works, right? We, we have to be biblically based. Uh, and then lastly, uh, do service. He says, whatever you do, he says it uh, twice. It was verse 17 and verse 
uh, 23, both times says, and whatever you do, God expects that you're doing something. He's expecting that we're working at our relationships, that all that we do, we view in term of relationship. And he says, how are you doing it? He says, do service. And, and this is the idea. How we work sets the tone for you and your payback or your payoff. Is it payback or payoff? It could be either. Which one do you want to write down? I, I give you permission to change the fill-in there. Right? Payoff. See how we work sets the tone for them or for you? Set the tone for the company or for you? Just for you. I worked for an organization for a while, and I set the tone on a bunch of stuff, reworded some things, and man, I, I felt like we were making some great project progress. Uh, life changed, I move on, da, 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 and I ran into somebody the other day who's still involved with that organization. They're not doing any of the things that I set up. Oh, well. Now, did I waste my time? Say no. What was the payoff? Wherever I go, whatever I do, in word or deed, I do for the Lord. And it sets the tone for who I am. Right? Because at some point, we have to submit to the Lordship of Christ. I love all the little verses here. I give you a bunch of them. Verse 11, verse 22, 22. Right? What's it say? Bonser, obey in everything. Not as I service, but with sincerity of heart, fear, fear in the Lord. Love that phrase. And then I have this here, it has verse 16 and question mark in parentheses behind it. What, why did I put that there? Because I'm asking the question, way back at verse 16, was he already saying this? Right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing praise and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Is he, is he saying you got to set the tone with you? He is. That starts with the decision of salvation between you and God. God, I want to be saved. I know that there's only one Lord, one Savior. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. At some point, you've got to make that decision. Right? Several of us can say amen to that. Amen? If you haven't decided that, you've got to decide it. It's the only way this thing works. And then the rest of us are also learning that that is just the first step. There's an experience from that point out that could get better and better and better to where your interactions with your spouse actually work. Now, do they have to play along? Over half of marriages end in divorce. I think observationally, we just have to say no. They don't have to. No one has to anything. In fact, God doesn't even force anybody's hand to do anything. But I love what the Bible says. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You cannot control your spouse. You cannot control your children. Amen. Uh, you can't control your boss. 
you can't control your parents and you were never supposed to. You can only control you. But do the best for you, setting the tone with Christ in your heart, his peace ruling, and his word dwelling in you. Because now, you're going to have relationships that other people enjoy. What do, you, what do you mean, other? I thought you said I was going to enjoy it. Yeah, 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 you are. But here's how you're going to know, right? What's the litmus test? How do we measure, right? We said we can measure our relationship with Christ as ruler, right? How do we measure? You said there was double meaning, Scott, and everybody will laugh. Is there a double meaning? Yes, there is. There's a measurement. How do you measure it? Are they having fun? What? Bible's not about fun. I beg to differ, sir. That's just my game. Right? Doc Holiday, Tombstone. Uh, you have to measure how they're doing. How you're doing can be understood by how they're doing. And I know that's not fair. Not fair. It's healthy. From now on, when somebody says fair to you, I want you to think healthy. Rather than fair, I want to find what's healthy because everybody's at a different place. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for um, where we're all at, all being different. Thanks that um, we can read difficult things and if we put the time and energy, we can understand them because it's within a system that you designed, created, and have called us to that actually works. There's progress that we can make. You can guide, correct us, and you can set tone. Lord, I pray for those who've never made that decision. That they would recognize it and own it and decide it today. And if that's you, tell God today, set the tone for me. Be my Lord and Savior. I want you to dwell in me I want your peace to rule from this time forward. If that's you, you can like look at me and nod or you can raise your hand or you can talk to me afterward. You can send me an email, however you want to do it. Lord, thanks for all this. Thanks for the offering we're about to receive and thanks, Lord, for the baptism we're about to do. May you bless them all in uh, Jesus' name. Amen.